0: today. God bless you so very much. Um, there's a couple of other announcements that I want to make. One of them um, I will explain further as we go into the month, but I just kind of want to get it in your spirit right now, and that is our 2020, 20 by 20 project. What is our 20 by 20 project? Well, I was praying when I was in Cancun. And how many many of you know when you're just under the stars, it's easy to pray. When you see his vastness and his goodness, it's easy to pray. And I was praying about some things, and God had been kind of stirring some things in my heart and has been for quite some time. But really, in just that time of rest, in that time of, of place, I thought of Abraham. And you know how that Abraham was literally in a similar place. He was in the sand but it was a big desert, and he came out of his tent, and God said, look up at the stars and count the stars. And what did Abraham say? Lord, I can't count the stars. He's like, that's right. He said, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an inheritance, and it's going to be an inheritance of people, a lineage of faith that's going to go throughout time. And how many of you know today that we're a part of Abraham's inheritance? Amen? We're a part of that promise. And as I was looking up at the stars, God began to speak to me about New Day Church and speak to me about a fresh vision, and we're calling it the 20 by 20 project. And this is what I'm believing God for, and I want you to begin to believe God, that over the next 18 to 20 months, we're believing God would multiply New Day Church by 20 new families. How many of you think that would be awesome? Amen. That would, in effect, almost double us. We're a little bit more than that, but it would almost double what God would do in this place and multiply the effect of families, of children, of young people, of young adults, of our of our older adults, of our couples, of our singles, of our college students. God would begin to do something in this place. And I believe that that is not a hard goal for God. Oh, you want me to make you stand up again? I said, that will not be a hard goal for God, amen? Nothing is impossible for God. Here's something else I'm believing God for. That that 20 by 20, that we will see 20 people saved in these altars and directly through the ministry of New Day Church. That's why it's going to take a month for me to do this. But I'm going to tell you, I'm believing God for 20 people to be saved. Now, we see people saved all the time. We're going to go to Spain, and we're going to see people and children and families come to Jesus. And I praise God for that. It's going to be exciting. But I want to see 20 people saved in our community. Come on, somebody. I want to see 20 people saved in our community. I want, if you would just turn to uh, your left, my right, right there. You see that? Some of you don't know what's behind those doors. You think that that's like, you know, it's like a television show or something. What's behind those doors? Well, what's behind those doors is a baptismal tank. Did you know that? Right behind there is a baptismal tank. And you know what I want to see? How many can figure out what I want to see? I want to see 20 people baptized in that tank. Come on, somebody. I want to see 20 people, come on, follow the Lord and by public confession say, I'm following Jesus. Come on. And we want to see, yes, you can guess, I want to see 20 people baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Come on, I want to see people empowered by the Spirit. Somebody told me one time, you know, if you get somebody saved, you should wait you know, and explain everything to them and make sure they understand all the theology of the baptism in the Spirit before they get the Spirit. Can I tell you that's not true? When I look at my Bible, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts says 3,000 were added to their number that day, and they were baptized in the Spirit just like the apostles. They were baptized in water. It happened to all 3,000. All 3,000 were baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit on that day. How many of you know you need the Holy Spirit when you get saved? He comes and dwells in you, but then you need him to pour out through you. So I'm believing God for 20 people saved, 20 people water baptized, and 20 people spirit baptized. But can I tell you, God can do it, but he doesn't want to do it without you and me. Amen. I've gone too far. I've said too much. I'll say more over the next coming month. But would you just right now bow your head for a moment? You don't have to bow your head. Just close your eyes. And would you just pray, God, what will my part be? You see, I'm going to be talking to individuals and families and couples, and and I'm going to be talking to you about this one-on-one. I'm going to be talking to small groups of individuals about this. but, But I want you to just, even before we get there, say, God, what would my part be? How can I be a part of the harvest? God, I've been a part of the harvest around the world. But, God, how can I be a part of the harvest right here at home? Jesus, how can I be a part of what you want to do in this new season and in this new day? Hallelujah. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Some of you, I believe the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. Just let the Lord speak to you. Amen? Amen. Now, if you'll look up here at this little logo, our new children's pastor, Nathan, created this. And I asked him, I said, I really like the colors. It's really nice and colorful. He said, Dad, that's the spectrum of the colors. He said, it's, that's to speak to the vision, that we want clear vision, the full spectrum of all God has for us. Isn't that good? That's good. How many of you want the full spectrum? Amen? Praise God. I'm going to switch over mics. Uh, Paxton, are you ready? Would you, yes, I am here. Would you grab your Bible and would you open up your Bible this morning to Psalm 34? Now, I'm going to start reading in a different passage, but we're going to spend our time in Psalm 34. As I was praying this week, and I know this doesn't make sense to some. Some of you it makes a lot of sense to. But if you're used to preaching or teaching from the Word of God and and then you don't for a couple of times, a couple of weeks, it, you just fill up. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. And so I, I didn't preach last week, which of course... Uncle John did a powerful job preaching on the peace of God. What a, what a message. If you didn't hear it last week, you can go to either our website or you can go to podcast and you can find that message. It's a powerful, powerful message on the peace of God. And uh, then the week before that, we were, we were in Mexico, and so I didn't teach. And this week, I just taught for a few minutes. And so as I was praying this week about where the Lord would have us go, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Anybody know that coming up this week? Any ladies know that in the house? Right? It's Valentine's. Men, you forgot, but I'm reminding you right now. Uh, you still got time. It's Valentine's Day this later this week. And uh, but I, I didn't really feel like that that that's where I was supposed to go. I'm just telling you. A lot of my friends who are pastors are, today are preaching on love and marriage and you know all that. And that's great. I love that. But But the Lord very clearly spoke to me a word. And when I say a word, I literally mean a word. And the word was surrounded. Can you say that? Surrounded. Surrounded. Two weeks ago, we talked about the famine that besieged Samaria in 2 Kings chapter 6. But there's another story that happened just before that in Second Kings chapter 6. And I, I want to read just a portion of it, and I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible. Uh, I'm going to skip down to verse 11 and just tell you that the, the king was very upset with Elisha because Elisha was warning people and doing certain things and kind of messing up the king of Aram's plans to protect Israel. Uh, the king of Aram would come against Israel, but, but God was protecting Israel. And so God would speak to Elisha, the prophet, and Elisha would then go tell the king of Israel, this is what's going on, this is what the king of Aram is about to do. And literally things that were spoken uh, uh, in very private places, God would speak. How many of you know there's nowhere you can speak, there's nowhere you can say anything without God hearing it? I tell my kids this all the time. They're like, How did you know? <laughs> you ever had that? T- how did you know? Is it mother's intuition, father's? In- no, it's God. He knows exactly what you say, where you say it, how you say it. Watch this. Even with the motive, you say it. He knows. And so here he was. So skip down. If, if you did turn to 2 Kings, it's fine. Chapter 6, verse 11 says, The king of Aram was furious furious over all this. He called his officers together and said, Tell me who is leaking information to the king of Israel. Who is the spy in our ranks? But one of his men boldly said, No, my master, dear king, it's not any of us. It's Elisha the prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel everything you say, even what you whisper in your bedroom." The king says, go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. They came by night and surrounded the city. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and went out. Surprise, horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, oh, master, what shall we do? He said, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Then Elisha prayed, O God, open his eyes and let him see. And the eyes of the young man were opened and he saw. A wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounded Elisha. Have you heard the song it may look like i'm surrounded but what but i'm surrounded by you some of you hadn't figured that song out until just this very moment It may look like I'm surrounded by the enemy. It may look like I'm surrounded by fear. It may look like I'm surrounded by problems. It may look like I'm surrounded by issues. It may look like I'm surrounded by those who want to take me out. But I'm surrounded by God. I'm surrounded by horses. I'm surrounded by chariots of fire. I'm surrounded by an angelic host. And that's. How I fight my battles. I believe the Lord sent me here today. And I believe the Lord put you here today. To hear this message of encouragement. And that is you are surrounded by the most high in your life. Mm. Yes Lord. Yes Lord. Today the Lord wants you to know that you're surrounded by him. You see Psalm 34, now you can go there. Psalm 34, 7 says, God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. The Lord sets up an angel, or the, God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. I want you to, to just put your hands like this if you can for a second. Make a circle. Make a circle. And I want you to look in that circle. And I want you to imagine yourself in the center of it. And those hands that you're holding, those are the hands of God. He sets up a circle of protection. Can you just say that with me right now? Say, God sets up a circle of protection around me when I pray. You see, when you come to God, he's right there. And you come right into the center of his will. Now, Psalm 34, it's very interesting. I want to tell you a little bit of the backstory here. Psalm 34 came out of a time of great distress and loneliness in the life of David. This was at the beginning of of David fleeing first from Saul. We know that Saul had been very angry with him. Saul had been very mad at him. And and we know that Saul was throwing spears at David, but finally David came to a point where he knew he had to get out of the way. He knew that Saul was going to destroy him if he did not leave. So he went and saw Saul's son, his best friend, Jonathan and they made a pact. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, they came together and Jonathan said, we are like brothers and we will stay close and I will do whatever I can to continue to bring you up to the king and try and convince him not to destroy you. I don't understand why my father is acting like this, but I'll tell you, David, you have my heart. And so they had this powerful moment of friendship. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we have David, fleeing from Saul. Now he has Jonathan in the background. He has no companions with him. No one has followed him yet. He was all alone. And as he was fleeing, David went into Gath, into the land of the Philistines, his mortal enemies, the enemies that he had destroyed. Do you remember Goliath? He was just the first of literally thousands of Philistines that David would destroy. But he had no place else to go but into the enemy's camp. And the servants of the king of Gath, Ashik, recognized him. And they dragged him to their king. So now not only is he lonely... Not only is he in distress, not only has everyone abandoned him, but now he's being brought before his mortal enemy, the king who could also end his life. And in 1 Samuel chapter 21, I'm going to pick up there. It says in verse 13, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. One version says he beat his head against the gate and caused his own mouth to foam. And Ashik said to his servants, look at this man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madman that you must bring this fellow here to carry like, on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Think about it. David, he was the mighty warrior. He was the one that they sang about. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. The Philistines all knew that song, by the way. It was playing on their repeat. And here they were. They thought they were doing something good. So David thought quick, cried out to God, and he acted like a crazy man, a wild man. And it worked. In 1 Samuel 22, it says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So, Psalm 34 specifically says at the beginning of the psalm that this psalm was written out of that experience of when he went crazy. I want to read verse 7 out of the Passion Translation. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God, can I tell you what David just said? David said, God showed me how to act like a madman (laughs) so I could escape. I mean, come on, think about it. Kings had the power of life and death in their hands. That king could have said, he's acting like a madman, kill him. And it would have been done, over. But for whatever reason, the king of Gath didn't like madmen, and he didn't want them in his courts. He had enough crazy people around his courts. Anybody ever been there, right? In your house, and your place of business, I don't know. But when you have a bunch of crazy people, you don't want another one on top of it. So God gave him this strategy. I mean, who of us would think, okay, if I foam at my mouth, I'll escape my enemy? It was God. God spoke to him and said, do this. And he said that he encircled me, empowered me, and showed me how to escape. I want us to go to Psalm 34. And for the next few minutes, I want us to just hear the word of the Lord. Now, I know what I'm about to do. Some of you are uncomfortable with. And that is just reading scripture publicly without comment. Don't worry, I'll comment later. How many of you know the word is powerful on its own? The word is powerful on its own. So I want you to hear it. And and I don't know if we have it on the screen. Are we going to get it on the screen in the version I asked? We are? Okay, great. So I want us to start in verse 1. And I'm going to read specifically from the Passion Translation. Nothing wrong with any other. You can follow along in another translation. But this is what I want you to do. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 1. Lord. I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you and all your works. So let all who are discouraged take heart. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon Him. Join your life with His and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing, desperate, And defeated, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies He gives to all who turn to hide themselves in Him. Worship in awe and wonder, all you who've been made holy. For all who fear Him will feast with plenty. Verse 10, even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry. But those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Come, children of God, and listen to me. I'll share the lesson I've learned of fearing the Lord. Do you want to live a long, good life, enjoying the beauty that fills each day? Then never speak a lie or allow wicked words to come from your mouth. Keep turning your back on every sin and make peace Your life motto, practice being at peace with everyone. The Lord sees all we do. He watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. But the Lord has made up his mind to oppose evildoers, verse 16, and to wipe out even the memory of them from the face of the earth. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. Not one bone will be broken, but the wicked commit slow suicide for they hate and persecute the lovers of God. Make no mistake about it. God will hold them guilty and punish them. They will pay the penalty, but the Lord will has paid for the freedom of his servants, and he will freely pardon those who love him. He will declare them free and innocent when they turn to hide themselves in him. Selah. Isn't that good? Come on, that should have, I, I don't know about you, but it it has me wanting to shout on a few of those points. God is my bodyguard. I said God is my bodyguard. Come on, God will repay anyone who does evil to his children. Can I tell you, Satan's going to pay for what he's done to me. Satan is going to pay for what he's done to you. He will not have the last say. God is victorious and he will punish those who have hurt his children. That's my God. You know, my mom told me, and I believe it, don't hate, son. Don't hate anyone. The only one you have the right to hate is Satan himself because he's already doomed for hell anyway. (laughs) You didn't hear that. I said Satan is already doomed for hell anyway. I don't feel bad for Satan. In fact, the Bible says the Son of God has put Satan underneath my feet and soon I'm going to crush his head. Hallelujah! You see, there's times for us to be peaceful. There's times for us to go, oh, we got to just be meek and mild. But when it comes to Satan, I'm going to crush his head. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to, in the name of Jesus, watch him burn. Amen. Some of you are thinking, "Woo, he's like a madman right now. Some of you got to get this in your spirit. God is your bodyguard. Yes. And every wrong that's been done to you, will be paid for. Amen. Some of you just need to turn that anger on the right being. Come on. <laughs> I want you to look again at Psalm 34. I, wanna, I want you to see this out of verse 8 and 9 in the message. It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to Him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all His goodness. You know what I noticed there? It doesn't say whining opens doors to all of His goodness. Wailing doesn't open doors to all his goodness. You see, when you're surrounded by God, your vision changes. Just like Elisha's servant, when his eyes were open, first all he could see was the problems, all he could see was the issues. And he went whining to Elisha. Oh, Elisha, look, we're surrounded by all these. uh, They're coming for us. Finally, these prophecies are going to be our undoing. I mean, it was really cool that you could read into what the king of Aram was saying. But now, look, we've been found out. (laughs) You ever prayed those kind of prayers? I have. Oh, God, have you forgotten me? Have you forsaken me? What has gone on? Where are you, God? What if instead we started worshiping? God, I don't understand what's going on, but I look to you. God, I don't understand what's, what's happening right now, but God, I look to you. Would you open my eyes and would you help me to see those who surround me? I want to I close this down pretty quick because I want us to pray for John here in a second. I, I want you to see a couple of things real quick. And that is the Lord surrounds his people with a shield of favor. Say shield of favor. I need to say this. Pastor Joe, can you make sure Jonathan doesn't get away again? The Lord surrounds his people with a shield of favor. Say shield of favor. Psalm 512. I'm going to throw some scriptures out at you, so you might want to write a few of these down. Psalm 512 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteousness. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Can you just declare that right now? Say, God's shield of favor is around me. Come on, say that. God's shield of favor is around me. He also surrounds us with songs of deliverance and victory. Psalm 32 7 says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Did you know that God sings over you? God sings over, you see, we get this sometimes and we think, oh, you know, we gotta sing these songs and we do and I'm glad for that. But God sings over you and what is he singing over you? He's singing victory over you. He's singing deliverance over you. You see, the worship team didn't know I was going to do this today, but all these songs that we sang today were about his strength, were about his power, were about his deliverance. But did you know God's singing deliverance over you? I have delivered you. I have brought you victory because you are my child, because you are my highly favored one. I have sung over you. You are victorious. That's what God's singing over me. That's what God's singing over you. He surrounds you with those songs. Tune your ear to hear. He also surrounds us with unfailing love. Psalm 32.10. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. When you place your trust in him, his love begins to flow and surrounds you. Not only that, we've already read it, but in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. His angelic warriors are surrounding you right now. Do you know what's going on in this room right now? Can I tell you what's happening in this room right now? Your angels are bumping up against each other. give us eyes to see if you could see right now into the angelic host and into the spiritual realm right now this room is filled with angels some of you have wrongfully judged us and wrongfully said oh look at these empty seats these seats aren't empty i don't know what you're talking about there are angels filling this room they're crowding in this room so much that they can barely fit in the wall so they're spilling out of it Oh, now I know some of you do think I'm crazy. No, I believe the word of God that says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who love him, those who trust him. And I don't know about you, but I love him. I trust him. And his angels are encamping around me right now. And they are outnumbering every problem, every situation that you brought into this room. They're greater than that. Woo, somebody got to get this. The Lord surrounds his people with a great cloud of witnesses. One version says veterans. I love that. Psalm 12, 1, or excuse me, Hebrews 12:1 says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Did you know that there is a heavenly host that's cheering you on right now? God has a heavenly host, and they're saying, You can make it. I know you don't feel like it right now, but you can do this. We did it. We're sitting up here in the heavenly realms and the bleachers of heaven, and we're cheering you on, and we're saying, Come on, man. Come on, girl. You got this. God is with you. You can't see it, but those angels are running next to you. You can't see him, but he's right there surrounding you and upholding you. You know how I know that? Because you haven't fully lost it yet. (laughs) You're still together. You woke up this morning. You took a breath, and that means that God is with you. We've got a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Somebody say praise God. You know what we need to do with those problems, with those obstacles, with those enemies in our life? We need to surround them. Hmm. We need to surround them with songs of praise. That's what Paul and Silas did. Remember that? When they were sh- shackled, they began to sing songs of praise at midnight, and the shackles were released. We need to sing songs of praise to our, to our situation. We need to shout, victory. Come on, victory. Can you just try it right now? Say, Victory. Come on. Joshua chapter 6 says that as they encircled Jericho, the biggest obstacle that they would face physically, as they went around that six times in six days, and then on the seventh time, on the seventh day, and then they went around seven times on that seventh day. The Bible says at the end of that in Joshua chapter 6 shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph, for the Lord has given you the victory. And as they shouted, watch this. They shouted before the walls came down. You gotta get this. There's a new song out there, and, and I and I haven't learned it well enough yet to know all the words. But but part of it says, I'm gonna praise before my breakthrough. And then the other part of it says, I'm going to prophesy my praise. I'm going to prophesy my victory. Do you understand what that's saying? It's saying before the victory is even realized, I'm going to prophesy my promise to that wall. Whew. I'm preaching better than some of you are shouting me down this morning. I'm telling you, there is a thing that we've got to do. We're surrounded by songs of victory. We're surrounded by songs of deliverance. We're surrounded by those who are cheering us on. Then we've got to turn it back around, and we've got to let that victory come up out of us. We've got to let that praise begin to come out of us. One more thing. We've got to praise and shout out of a place of security. Watch this. Psalm 3 gives the story, and I won't go into all of it. Psalm 34 was actually at the beginning of when he was running, when David was running from Saul. But Psalm 3 is actually later on in life, much later, close to 50 years or more later. And this spoke of David escaping from his own son Absalom, who had taken a grudge and been offended and took that into a murderous plot. Can I just go ahead and make a side note? Don't get offended. Mm, That went over well. Don't get offended by what somebody says about you. Don't get offended by what somebody does because it can turn into something you don't want it to turn into. And that's what happened with Absalom. So Absalom is going after David, his own father, and he wants to kill him. And out of Psalm... Chapter three, this it came out of that experience. And he said, Lord, I have so many enemies, so many who are against me. Absalom turned almost the whole city against him and almost the whole army. It says, listen to how they whisper their slander against me, saying, look, he's hopeless. Even God can't save him fr- from this. And then the Bible says the word Selah, which means to pause in his presence, to think about those things. It says, but in the depth of my heart, watch this you got to get the picture here. This is years later. David fought the victory. He fought and praised through that promise and became the king that he was rightfully to be. Yeah, he messed up, but he came back to God in repentance. How many of you know you can mess up and it's not God's ultimate uh, thought for you, it's not God's plan for you, but if you do mess up, we have a savior. Hallelujah. We have someone we can turn to. So he turned back to God. He came in repentance. He he asked God for forgiveness. And God granted that to him. He granted him forgiveness, restored him back. But there were consequences that happened after that. And now years later, he's facing a similar thing. But instead of the king Saul coming after him, his own son's coming after him. You've got to get that understanding. Because some of you have had a victory. Some of you have overcome some things. But later in life, it seems like that same thing comes back up. And what do we do? We say, oh God, I guess guess I'm the same person I was. I guess I I just haven't learned any. And we get into this self-pity thing. No. David said, right here, we're going to see it. We're going to see that David understood who he was in spite of all that had happened. He says, but in the depths of my heart, verse 3, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually You lift high my head when I bow low in shame. I have cried out to you, Yahweh. From your holy presence you send me a father's help. Selah, pause in the presence. So now I'll lie down and sleep like a baby. Then I'll awake in safety for you surround me with your glory. Even though dark powers prowl around me, I won't be afraid. You see, he didn't, he didn't deny what had gone on. I had a conversation with a friend this week about that, that if you've got something coming against you, sickness, or, or you've got a problem or financial need, whatever it is, faith is not saying, I don't have that problem. Hello? It would have been foolish, as, and I don't want to be gross, but as I'm blowing my head off with snot this week, anybody with me right now, for me to say, I am not, I don't have any problems right now. That's not faith, that's lying. Now, some of you, I just messed you up, and I apologize for that. Some of you, I messed you up because it was gross. Some of you, I messed up for you of your theology. But that's, you don't lie. He didn't lie. He said, even with the problems around me, What's the greater truth, though? Come on, church. Even though the problems surround me, what's the greater truth? He surrounds me. Ooh. Even though the darkness comes against me, I won't be afraid, for you surround me with your glory. I love that. Verse 3, you take me and surround me with yourself. The safest place for us to be is in the presence of God. The safest place for us to be is in the presence of God. Surrounded by his glory. I want you to write this scripture down. Psalm 27. It's another one of David's psalms. Psalm 27, and it will underscore Some of you have been following along. I haven't done a great job this last couple of weeks, but as I send out different scriptures for you to go through, this week's scripture is Psalm 34. Take it in multiple translations. I want you to read through Psalm 34, what we just went through, and I want you to dig into that. I want you to dissect it. I want you to highlight it and circle it, but one of those that is a companion scripture is Psalm 27. How many of you need the Lord? to surround you today? He is. You got it. (laughs) That wasn't a trick question. So let me ask it this way. How many of you need for your eyes to be opened, for your ears to be attentive, for your spirit to resonate that God is surrounding you in an area of your life today? Would you raise your hand? Would you stand with me? I've said this many times and I'll say it many more. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. One of the reasons we give to missions is because for the most part, we will never go on that field One of the reasons, let me say it this way, one of the reasons we receive so much from giving to missions is because we will never personally receive anything from it. Watch. We've given to Jonathan. Come on, John. We've poured into Jonathan. and Watch this. Far more than money. Caleb, can you go get Pastor Joni? We've poured into him far more than money. Some of you have taught him along the way. Some of you have encouraged him over the years. Some of you, when he walked through the door after not being here for months because of being at Southwestern, said, where have you been? And you hugged him. Some of you have poured prayers into him on a regular basis. God has used your seed and now we're going to see a harvest. But watch this. <clears throat> Though we, a few of us will go to Vietnam, Lord willing, we'll go to Vietnam next year. But most of us won't go to Vietnam. Most of us will not ever get to meet one of the children that John's going to impact. We'll never get that ooey-gooey feeling of grabbing one of those kids and, and holding them. That's why it's so powerful. Because what you're making happen for John and for the kids and for the families in Vietnam, God will make happen for you because he can't. Because they can't. Therefore, God will be in debt to no one. And he's going to pour it back on you. So what I want us to do is I want us to surround John. And I know know my wife. She'll come in a minute. She's making sure your lunch is really good. And when she comes, just make a way for her to get in here. But I I want you, as many of you, I don't care if it's all of you, but as many of you as can, we're going to surround John. And we're going to pray for him. Because on Wednesday afternoon, he's going to get on a plane and he's going to leave for two years. And he's going to go and minister to people and do what God has called him to do. Amen? Amen? We're going to lay hands on him. Not, please, not as just another missionary. I hope we don't treat any of our missionaries that way. But not as just another missionary. But as one of our own as one of our own sons. So John, come right here. Can you come right now and crowd in and surround him? Just begin to pray right now. God, we come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for Jonathan. We thank you for what you've done for him. God, we thank you for all the seeds that have been sown. God, and we ask right now in the name of Jesus for your protection upon his life, upon his mind, upon his heart, upon his body in Jesus' name. God, we pray right now that you would protect him from the top of his head, the soles of his feet in the name of Jesus God that he would be found in your presence God that he would be surrounded by your glory God that the glory of God would shine on him in Jesus name God we thank you for the favor that emanates from him and I just pray that that favor would be evident there in Jesus name that with government officials with families with parents God with street vendors with restaurant owners God God, and with the children, Lord, that favor would flow out of him in Jesus' name. God, we pray for open doors, God, and for wisdom. God, that wisdom would flow in him and through him, God. God, that he would know what to say and what not to say. That he would know when to open his mouth and when not to open his mouth. God, that you would speak through him. God, that the words of his mouth would not fall to the ground. God, that he'd be like Samuel, and when he spoke the word, that people would listen. God, I pray for wisdom and ideas, God, and strategies in Jesus' name. God, give him strategies. God, beyond his mentors, beyond those that have gone before him, God, give him strategies. In the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Now, can we just begin to praise God for him? Lord, we thank you for Jonathan. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for the lives that will be changed, the children, the the families, God, the individuals, Lord. God, we thank you for what you will do, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for traveling mercies. We thank you for the trip over, God. We thank you, Lord, that you protect him. We thank you for your provision in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Would you hug on him? His favorite thing. Would you just love on him right now? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.